What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. With the recent improved play from a lot of the Chicago Bulls over this four-game winning streak, today I want to talk about and ask, how much longer does P. Will have to play this way until we can officially say that he's turned a corner? We're also going to look at the Chicago Bulls' uh, offense over the last four-game winning streak and ask how much of this is fool's gold as we head into a more difficult week this week. All that plus the mailbag right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod, whatever social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So I've talked a lot about Kobe White over the recent weeks, and then even before then, even before this this recent four-game winning streak, I've talked a lot about Iota Sumo as well. But Patrick Williams has quietly put together a nice stretch of games that even his head coach, uh, Billy Donovan, has realized. And the thing that makes it so good about the way that Patrick Williams has been playing recently is that it's not just about, like, it's not just him taking a ton of more shots. He's still averaging around the same 10 shots, around closer to 11, but very similar to what he's done over his whole entire NBA career. But one thing that it seems like he's doing is this, is t- attacking. It's not just about having uh, having the ball in his hands and attacking off the dribble. He's starting to understand how off-ball movements can get him easier baskets when you look at you know going after rebounds both offensively and defensively now he is cutting to the rim when other players are, are leading the fast break things like that we're seeing Patrick Williams it seems like starting to play more instinctual basketball and not thinking so much about it while he's out there and it's 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 leading to a better overall play from the talented forward that the Chicago Bulls drafted was the first draft pick of this regime and so when you see that right he is, at the end of the day, players are getting him the ball, which is a good thing, especially when he does cut, but he's just showing more instinct in how he's playing. And, you know, Billy Donovan saying this, the energy and motor has got to come from inside of him, and he's always said it's there. Sometimes I think he, uh, he's even mentioned to you guys that he can overthink things, which I think takes away from his aggressiveness. But I think it's good to see how aggressively he's playing, never mind the scoring, but just the way he's been playing and attacking. That comes from head coach Billy Donovan. And you got to agree with that. When you look at this, right, Over the last 10 games, so this is even before the recent four-game winning streak. Over the last 10 games, Patrick Williams has averaged 12.1 points per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, 1.3 assists, 1.1 blocks, and one steal. That is, of course, like, I'm not saying that is that what we wanted when we initially drafted him fourth overall we thought he would turn into. No, but it is definitely improved play from a player that is an extremely talented player in Patrick Williams that we know that what he can be when he when he when he plays and attacks and he's showing that and then when you look over the last five games right this is still game before the the recent winning streak 13.6 points per game 5.6 rebounds 1. Uh, 1.8 assists 1.6 seals 1.6 blocks and only one turnover per game and he's doing that on just 10 and a half shot attempts per game he's shooting the ball 55 percent in that from the field and he's shooting it 42 percent from three 41 percent from from three-point range Patrick Williams is starting to put it together and that is the things that that you know we've seen these flashes of Patrick Williams so you know we've seen it now improve play over 10 games then you when you look at over five games it's been even better 
in that stretch of time. And it's even better than that over over the, the, the recent four-game winning streak. Patrick Williams is starting to ball out, and he's starting to understand how he needs to go about, because he's, he's still not this huge prioritized member of the Chicago Bulls offense where he's just getting 15, 16 shots per game, but he's being more effective, and it's how he's getting his offense. Putbacks, slashing, creating easier buckets for himself, not just trying to take players off the dribble, which is one of the areas of his game he definitely needs to work on is that dribble, but this is the type of instinctual play from a, from a player, a young player, that is going to get you better numbers on the field and help you impact the game. And this is why also it's not just about scoring. He's averaging more rebounds now. He's getting a steal and a block per game. Though that's instinctual basketball. And Patrick Williams is really playing to his strengths and he's drawn some really good defensive matchups over that time as well. So when you look at Patrick Williams in the play and say, how much longer does this have to be before we can say he's turned the corner? For me, I I just want to see this type of similar output for the rest of the season, right? Yes, uh, you know, he's put together 10 games. Uh, you know, look at it. It's probably going to end up being a month of solid play from him, if not more. But like if he can finish the season in giving this type of effort, right, that is that is kind of what you want to see from a player that's just been, you know, we've called him passive P. He's not being passive anymore out there, even when he's not necessarily having the scoring output. He's still being aggressive defensively, still rebounding the ball, still getting block shots. Those are things that are going to help Patrick Williams really carve out his role. And while, yes, Kobe White's been the best young player in this recent stretch. Patrick Williams is Patrick Williams is closely there behind him and just the way that he's adapted and grown his game over this last stretch, and you gotta love to see it. Now, with Patrick Williams playing, talking about how much more we need to see from him before we're ready to say he's turned the corner, we also gotta talk about the Bulls, right? Overall, this four-game winning streak, how much of this is fool's gold? How much of this is going to completely go in the toilet when Chicago Bulls could very well lose their next six games? And I want to talk about the play. I know we talked about this a little bit about where it would rank in the NBA. But over the last five games of the season, the Chicago Bulls are averaging 119 points per game, which will put them in the top 12. They're also averaging 28 assists per game, doing that on on right around, um, you know, uh, uh, 95 made baskets, which is, uh, or taken baskets, 45 made shots. So, again, solid on that one as well. The Bulls are also shooting the ball as a team, 42% from three, over this time period, it's it's the, the Bulls are playing a solid enough brand of basketball. 51 rebounds per game, which will put them towards the top of the league as far as averages, as far as rebounds per game. We're seeing this team in the way that they're going out and tacking and playing team basketball. It's not just paying off the individual players, but it's paying off in that the team is just a more versatile team overall. And so, you know, you, you want to see that uh, from this team. You want to see them continue to play. Matter of fact, I said that they'd be towards the top of the league. The Bulls averaging 51 rebounds per game. If that happened over the course of the whole season, they are actually the number one rebounding team in the league. If they keep, if they were to keep averaging that, now you don't expect that with the with the with the matchups that we have coming in here, it's going to get more difficult. But how much of it is fool's gold? That's the that's the question that I'm here in this segment to ask and to answer. And the thing is, is I don't think a lot of it is fool's gold per se. Now the wins, I don't think they're going to keep winning at the rate that they've been winning. That would be uh, crazy if they if they just if they keep a winning record from here on out to the re- to the end of the season. And so it's not really about that. It's about the style of play, how the players are adapting, how they're playing as a team. That's kind of the more important things in this. And I think that that's a very sustainable model for the Chicago Bulls. The biggest question is, we saw a little bit of it rear its ugly head against the Charlotte Hornets. This team has to make sure that they stay on top and, and intensively play in the way that they have been playing. So, you know, when you look at the schedule, we talked about it next week a lot. we got Milwaukee, Denver, and two games against the Miami Heat. Those are going to be games where you're tested at in every single one of those games. And, you know, those are deep teams, teams that have gone on deep playoff runs, the defending NBA champion in there, another team that's won won a title within the last couple of years. So, 
again, this is this is an important stretch to see. All right, not do the do the Bulls keep this play style when the competition gets better? Because I tell you what, even if they lose most of those games, I want to see how the play style stays the same. Or do they default back to all right, Demar, go save us. We're just gonna watch, right? That is what that is telling. I think how much of this is fool's gold? We'll know for sure by uh, by this time next week. So in next Sunday's mailbag episode, I'll probably retouch on this and recap how that week went for the Chicago Bulls before we head into next Monday's game against the against the 76ers tomorrow who plays off against the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Bulls are going to be tested here. From here until basically the end of December, they have like two games that are, are slated to be easier games on the schedule. One of them is against the San Antonio Spurs, who we just played. So the Bulls have to come in. They have to be locked in. And I think the, the biggest thing over this next week is to see when the going gets tough, do they stay playing as a team? Do they stay attacking? Do they stay playing with heart? Or do they default back to that team that doesn't move without the ball, that gets down on themselves, that, that allows themselves the confidence that the Bulls have? I want to see them continue that by just playing team basketball. And let's hope that that's the case when we're talking about a team that, that you know, we see the same heart. Win-loss, it's not just about that this season anymore, and I've said that many times for me. It's not about the win-loss record per se. It's more so about what do we see? How many of these players do we now see turning into pillars for this team um, and that we see, that, hey, these are these are important building blocks for whatever the next version of the team is going forward. So let me know what you guys think on that down below. But let's go ahead and get into the mailbag. It's Sunday, so it's mailbag day. We're getting to this first voicemail. This one's from Jerry K. What's up, hey? This is Jerry K. Ward. Uh, call me Kwasi, but I was calling in because I'm a huge fan of the show, man. I like this, the um, insight that you give about the Bulls. But uh, I just wanted to comment tonight on Zach Levine. Uh, I just feel like it's just time for the Bulls to turn the page on this chapter. Uh, Zach uh, gave us seven good years, but he's just not a leader, period. That, you know, he's selfish. I feel like, you know, at times he doesn't actually bring the energy that makes his teammates better. I'm a huge Kobe White fan, been a huge Kobe White fan for quite some time. I think the potential of him coming out of the draft back in 2019, uh, the kid got winning energy, man. Uh, players play better when he's when he has the ball in his hand. He makes things happen. But also, man, he's a leader. He's vocal. And I think this team is on the uprise with uh, Kobe White, you know, leading the way from the point guard uh, position. Uh, I think. The Bulls should actually try to trade Zach to either Toronto or either uh, the Detroit Pistons. They sent him to Detroit. Uh, I would like to see the Bulls at least get back uh, Jaden Ivey and possibly uh, Marvin Bagley. I just feel like Bagley, the Bulls really need a real power forward because uh, Patrick Williams, I, I think he's better at the three. And I also like the lineup in which the Bulls feature Tory and Craig and Patrick Williams playing those forward spots like the intensity and the way they play the pass the lanes and create havoc on defense. But overall, I just think we need a athletic, a young athletic big man uh, who could play the four. Um, so uh, the second trade scenario, you know, if the Bulls traded Zach to the Toronto Raptors, I would like to see the Bulls possibly get uh, a small forward, I don't know, uh, either him or uh, Pascal Siakam. You know, I know Pascal Siakam is a highly skilled. Uh, he can play the three or the uh, four. Um, I just, those are just two different uh, scenarios in which I would like to see the Bulls possibly trade Zach, uh, Zach Levine for. Um, so with that said, man, bro, I say God bless, man. I hope hopefully look forward to seeing my uh, 
my take uh, published, but also, man, in the future, I wouldn't mind having the opportunity to uh, speak with you uh, going forward about the Bulls. Go Bulls. God bless. Jaden Ivey and Marvin Bagley for Zach Levine. So, so for first, let me say this. Patrick Williams has logged zero minutes at the wing, even without Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan when he, when he was out either. The end of the day is this Bulls team, as long as this is the coaching staff in the front office, they see Patrick Williams as a four. You can say, we, I, I, and I understand, I understand where many people say, we need an athletic four. And I just don't think we're going to get that. I think that we're seeing this team want to play this more modern style, which you have a, 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 a power forward out there in Patrick Williams that can spread the floor, that can be a 40% shooter from three and help kind of extend that floor. And that may be something that we just see as long as DeMar is still here because when you have DeMar and Boots both on the same team, you have two players that generate their offense from the mid-range. So you want that theoretical four and Torrey Craig and Patrick Williams when they're out there together to be able to keep spreading that floor and put on some pressure from the three-point range. Could that change with the different makeup of the team? It's possible, right? So we'll see. But um, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think that what we're seeing, uh, unless it's Julian Phillips, right? If he comes in and adapts, maybe that that be the case. But um, I, I get what you're saying in that. Uh, would that be a good trade for Zach Levine? I'm not going to say that I'd knock it, right? I think you you need to throw in some picks if you're Detroit in that case. So you know that that's what it comes down to. That I, I I get the thought process behind Jaden Ivy. I just look at him and Kobe White as kind of similar players in a way, right? They both like to have the ball in their hands. They both need to kind of get in scoring rhythm. But again, Kobe White's adapted so much, you know, and, and maybe Jaden Ivey just becomes off the bench and he's that high-level bench player role, which Kobe White used to fit into. So I, I, it's not a bad trade at all, not not bad mindset. And, you know, the Toronto Raptors trade, we talked a little bit about that. Um, I don't think Pascal is going to be what you get back for Zach Levine. I, I would more so focus on OG. You, you get Pascal back, he's an older player. At that point, you're kind of then going into what you've already had here, and that's staying a team with older players that, uh, you know, that, you know, maybe takes a little bit away from the younger players. And what I would like to see the Bulls do in this Zach Levine trade is make, hopefully get a little bit younger. And then at that point in time, we're looking at these young players and giving them time to develop, grow together, things like that. Um, Pascal is a hell of a player. Don't get me wrong on that. Um, but again, same age as Zach Levine. So if they were to, let's say the Bulls do make a trade with the Toronto Raptors and bring in Pascal, I think that that means then we're kind of staying where we were in a way, right? Is Pascal the same player as Zach Levine? Hell no, I'm not saying that at all. But I think that, that at that point you would be trying to maintain a status quo rather than necessarily go in a different direction, right? Maybe maybe that's a better way to explain it. But great voicemail. Thanks, Jerry. Do not stop leaving voicemails. We appreciate you, brother. All right, let's get into the next one. This one's from my friend, Casual Kelp. Hey, man. It's, I'm going to clap a little bit because I got called about just saying things just like I wanted to be right. Um, what I think you're talking about is an interesting phenomenon on bad teams or like bad teams. Um, had to find someone to blame, and everybody disagrees on who to blame, and it takes sides and things like that. If teams are winning, people just like come together, kind of like the Bears. You know, it's the whole Justin Fields thing. Like, is he good or is he coaching? People disagree on that. I live in North Carolina. We got the same thing with Bryce Young. Was it Bryce Young is a bad pick, or is it coaching in the front office? People just don't. No, when people take sides, people get mad. The Bulls. Um, it's been Zach Levine has always been a very polarizing player. My take has always been that they picked the wrong guy to build around. I don't know who the right guy to build around was, but I do know you don't want to build around a one-dimensional guy who doesn't make his teammates better or play defense. Um, I'm kind of seeing, like, that the last four games that all of a sudden Billy Donovan looks like a decent coach. Team looks decent. At least they're more fun to watch. We'll see if happens on it. But 
that's where we're talking about. You hear stuff like with the Zach Levine debate, like, no, he's Devin Booker just with the worst team. If he had coaching, Billy Donovan just doesn't know how to use him. And, you know, you just hear stupid stuff when your team is bad, and you kind of got to – you're right. I, and I do. I am bad about that. I clap back. When I'm right, I know I'm right. And um, I'm going to dunk on people when I think I'm right. And I know I've been right on Zach Levine for like seven years. He's just not the guy that you want in a locker room or – uh, especially on the court, because he's a on-court chemistry killer guy. That's what I'm talking about, those. It's not so much everybody wants to be right. It's that teams are bad. There's nothing to get behind. So you try, everybody's trying to get behind, like, the one thing. Oh, uh, For the Bulls, for a long time, it was that. Um, now it's, you know, Patrick Williams, I mean, coaching or who to blame or things like that. But it's just that's what uh, – what do you think about that? Is it really people want to be right, or is it they're arguing about what to hope for? Because there's not a lot of hope for – um, any of the teams that I mentioned, honestly. All right, so here's the thing. And, and I think in what you said, you kind of proved my point in a way. You also did prove your own point. So I understand when the team's bad, everybody's looking at who to blame. And I think that's unrealistic because it's usually multiple things. And even in your voicemail trying to blame it, Zach has never been a bad locker room guy. So you to say that Zach's a bad locker room guy, to me, that's you trying to use what's going on to rationalize critiques and a problem with the team losing. And it's more than just that. Now, it's very simple basketball reasons why this team is playing better and it's not because Billy Donovan all of a sudden become this better coach again it's because you're spreading out the offense more players are involved which then keeps them more active because they have to be and you're seeing this team kind of adapt like a baby bulls era type level of play with everybody's kind of everybody's kind of attacking all at the same time and doing those type of things and you have more young players that are moving without the ball things like that and kind of they're playing more instinctual basketball whereas when Billy has his superstars it's kind of more straight out sets so that's the basketball reason. So that's why I call you Casual Kelder. You're my brother. I love you. Let me be clear on that. My, I throw jokes towards Casual Kelder, but I get what you're saying. But I do think that even in your explaining of that, you've kind of added rationale to exactly what I'm saying. Because you can't – Zach Levine isn't a bad locker room guy. He's not – now, that does not mean he is not handled since this trade request news come out. He, What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. He's not handled it horribly because he has, right, in my personal opinion, but it's 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 more than just saying oh well Zach Levine is a bad locker room guy Zach Levine all oh, Billy Donovan's better no that's because that, that's just not true and you, and again there's basketball reasons why and that's why I do call you casual Kelder because I don't think you also understand the basketball reasons you're trying to add a storyline to actual basketball X's and O's reasons of why this team is playing better and no Zach Levine has never been known as a bad locker room guy I, I can't get on that one we can we can critique a lot of what Zach Levine has or has not done since the Shrey request news but he's never been known as a bad locker room guy I gotta I gotta disagree with you has he bumped head with coaches yeah but when you look at Jim Jim Boylan was a fucking terrible coach so I think that plays a part into it as well but all right let me know what you guys think on that down below let's go ahead and get into the next voicemail this one's from Cornelius hey we good hey man it's Cornelius you know um not here to really, you know what I'm saying, speak up on well, I'm here to speak up on the Bulls, but the Bulls future. Um people need to stop sleeping on this draft. And I'm talking about this year draft, you know. Everybody's waiting for twenty twenty five and Cooper Flag and all that. You know what I'm saying? Shit. Um sometimes that shit don't pan out. Cooper Flag come out here and be shit. But um I'm gonna tell you a person that, you know what I'm saying, we ain't got the tank, folks. 
We ain't got to do none of that, folks. Um, and, and I want him. You know, um, he needs to be a bull. Um, he's only two hours away from y'all. It's kind of weird that he's not talked about. Um, he's the big man player of the year, and his name is Zach Eden. Um, he's a true big man. You know, I get it. Oh, he's not the big man of today like a Wimby and like a, a, a Nikola. And, you know what I'm saying? They want him to shoot three, stretch the field. No, nah, no, nah, fuck all that. I want my big man to be how I was in the 90s. I'm a 96. So I want my big man to be how they were, dominant. Back, back to the basket. Nothing your motherfucking face. No pause. Go keep that shit playing. You feel me? So I'm just saying, man, like, I don't get what's the fuck on him. You know what I'm saying? And that's, to me, that's the only fuck. You see what this kid averaging? It's amazing. 23.8 points, 23.8 points, 11.5, 2.8 blocks. And he's athletic. He reminds me of more, like a more athletic Yao Ming. Got touch around the basket. Like, that's, that's what we need. We need that. We need that. And that's what I want. I, I get it. And like I said, he's projected to be a second-round pick. So it's not like, you know, we got to trade up, we got to do all that. No, we just flat out pick them. We like to kick diamonds or the rough anyway. Exactly. To me, is going to be a dominant dick man in the NBA because there's nothing like him. There's not, he's now an anomaly, like, like pretty much. He's old school to them or to the modern-day NBA, and that's cool with me. That's what kind of big man I want. I want a Zach Eaton. I don't want a Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, great, but how good that shit been? You know what I'm saying? Nikola, he's an anomaly himself. It's his IQ that separates him from everybody else. But I want Zach Eaton, man. Uh, what you think about him, man? And if you ain't looked him up, you need to, hey. Bless. Zach Eady, here's the thing, uh, my brother. We have no second-round picks. And you don't want to use a first-round pick on Zach Eady. And here's the thing that I always say is that as – and you use a lot of stats, but there's basketball reasons. There's a reason why Zach, if Zach Eady was this beast that you said, it wouldn't he wouldn't be projected as going literally the last pick in the draft is where most mocks have. And that doesn't mean he still can't turn into a solid player, but you got to look at more than just what he's averaging in college. The foot speed is not there for the NBA level. Uh, yes, he can block shots and rebound. He can do that. We already got a young guy in Adama Sanago who has way better foot speed and footwork than a Zach Eady. Zach Eady is not a good professional prospect. He's a great college player. And don't get me wrong, just like Kofi Coburn was, he's going to be beastly at college as long as he's down there. And I actually hope he stays as long as he can so he can make some of that NIL money because, tell you what, the NBA money probably isn't coming for him. And so when you say that you want these old school big men, that's cool. But that's not the way the game is going. If you don't have foot speed to be able to adapt in pick and rolls, it's part of what we see with, with Vooch. And he is a much more, you know, foot footwork type player that he has better footwork and he ha- is more crafty to be able to get off in the post. A player like Zach Eady is not going to be able to do that in the NBA level. Can he adapt? Maybe. Right. But that is why you're seeing him projected to go where he goes. Zach Eady is not going to be an impact player in the NBA anytime soon if he ever turns into that. And that's if he even makes the NBA. This is this is not the modern day NBA. We're just being big rebounding and getting shots because get blocking shots just because you're big and have a long wingspan does a, a good NBA player that does not make and so that's what we're seeing with players like this and this is why even players like uh like Andre Drummond who is a, a more nimble player and is more athletic Zach Eady is not athletic at all and so the NBA game is going to be an extremely difficult game for him but he, he is going to dominate he's going to put up big numbers great numbers in college but that does not mean he's going to be a great NBA player. And so the Bulls definitely should not use their first-round pick to draft him, and they probably shouldn't even use a second-round pick to draft him because you probably want to go more upside there. 
Zach Eady isn't going to change anything for this Bulls team. I get what you're saying. I get what the stats in college tell you, but you also got to be able to break down how it fits to the NBA. And we have not really seen a lot of players with Zach Eady's type lack of athleticism. He has some basketball IQ, so I'm not going to completely, but but Zach Eady isn't even as, as athletic as a player like Walker Kessler. He's not even remotely close to sniffing that athleticism. And that's what's going to keep him from making the NBA. Possible. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Big O. What's going on? Hey, it's Big O again. Once again and again, brother. How you doing, brother? Hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, man, super refreshing. I love the way you put it. Uh, to see that this team, you know, just playing way better uh, over these last four games. Just stringing together wins, all, you know, good wins, you know, against teams they should be beat. Uh, man, it's so refreshing. But uh, I know you said that, you know, people have been comparing, uh, at least over these last few games, this Bulls team to the Baby Bulls. I have a different perspective on that. I actually compare this team, at least over these last few games, to the Billy Donovan's Oklahoma City Thunder team. When you look at, uh, when you look at the numbers, you know, they're kind of similar when you look up the last year, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then you look at the numbers for the Bulls over the last four games, three-point percentage, uh, field goal percentage. Even when you look at uh, points per game, uh, Billy Donovan had four guys going over 15 points uh, in that season, and Gallinari, Shea, Chris Paul, and uh, I think it was a, another guy in there. I can't remember. I don't know. I, thought they, I think maybe Luke Dort scored a double digit. I don't have it in front of me as I'm talking, but uh, very, very similar. And that kind of brings me to think that Billy Donovan is kind of seeming, because he has been coaching much better, but it seems like he coached much better with less. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm kind of getting that feeling that Billy Donovan is not a guy that you can give three superstars to unless they're like top five players, but those players like LeBron James are just carries. But he don't seem like the type of guy that do well with a lot of stars. Uh, seems like he or he does well with guys that don't dominate the ball as much. Uh, unselfish guys, kind of like kind of like the college field, which also brings me to give him a comp of Rick Carlisle. Because if you notice, Rick Carlisle couldn't really coach Dunst. Couldn't really do, uh, you know, do much with Luca. And Rick Carlisle got one championship, and you know he got that championship by having a bunch of guys myself and shut the ball, and they got hot from three in that playoff run, which I think is a fair uh, comp to Billy Donovan. Maybe he can squeak out a championship one day. I don't know if, if his team can get hot from three, similar to Rick Carlisle's team, but. You know, I kind of compare him to Rick Carlisle in that regard, even though I wouldn't put him on Rick Carlisle's level as of yet. But I kind of think that's kind of like his feeling as far as coaching. And uh, Does Billy Donovan do more with less? This is a great question. Great question. Um, I, I, and Like I said in the voicemail with Kelder, I think that it's basketball reasons, it's X's and O's reasons. It's that not necessarily that Billy Donovan is doing better with less, but it, it forces a coach to be more creative because Billy Donovan is a player that definitely – doubles downs on the superstars but you have to get more creative in how you run offense when you don't have a a, a player that can be a 50 40 90 player in Zach Levine and then DeMar DeRozan he doesn't necessarily fit in what the, now the roster is in a sense right so you have to adapt how you're using him so I think that Billy Donovan has done a great coach I do not want to take away from the coaching job Billy Donovan has done and I think that if you build this team that doesn't have super like high level superstars 
you can look good, right? And, and let's wait, both with the voicemail that you and, and Kelder left, let, I, want, I want to reassess this at this time next week after we've gone through the four games that we have on the schedule this week and see then how we performed um, because I think that's going to be important to say. But Billy Donovan has coached great, and I think that the way that he's now had to be forced to kind of use players and players have stepped up, there's a synergy between that. And then it's difficult for teams to guard, uh, other teams to guard teams that you, your offense can come from everywhere. Right. Kobe's been going off. But Patrick Williams, like in the last game, going off for 20 points. He's still got Nikola Vucevic down there who who can put up 20 and 11 on you at any point in time. You got DeMar to worry about in the fourth quarter. Then not to mention if Torrey Craig shooting coming off the bench and I would assume was getting in transition like that's more difficult. And that you can you it's more like I said, those aren't necessarily set plays. Those are more instinctual basketball. And that's kind of the most bad. The most difficult basketball to guard is when you have that instinctual level of basketball. That's like why the different nuggets are so. That, that yes, they run sets. They run sets, and 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 they have a great coach in that. But again, when you have your pinpoint and a player like a Nikola Jokic, who you can focus so much, and it allows kind of the players out on the perimeter to kind of be more instinctual. That's why their offense has been so great. That's why you're seeing the Indiana Pacers offense be what it is, especially with Tyrese Halliburton as being one of the linchpins of that. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing there uh, to give an X's and O's reason to it, if that makes sense. But all right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Shay. Yo, Hayes, what's up, man? Look, I understand a lot of people talking about this rebuild stuff, but uh, let's think about it for a second. Yeah, Kobe White, Ayo DeSumo, and Patrick Williams ain't necessarily star players like Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan is, but do you think they want to be on a rebuilding team at this point in their career? More so, more so Kobe and Ayo. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not stars, like I said, but they keep getting better and better and better. Do you think that they looking to be on the team where the team is going to be historically bad like the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs are, you know? And I know what you're going to say. Oh, they don't have a choice in the matter. But for the most part, they keep getting better. Kobe getting better every year. Ayo getting better every year. And who knows? Patrick Williams may look to live up to his full potential in the coming next year or the year after that. Do you think that they want to spend their younger years scratching the ceiling and Possibly their prime years on a bad team. Now, like I said, they're not stars, but, man, I don't think they're looking to be on no rebuilding type team, man, especially when they know that they could do a lot better to help this team at least make the playoffs consistently like we did in the Derrick Rose era. But, hey, that's just me. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. Do Kobe White and I want to be on a rebuilding team? I, I, don't, I think at the end of the day, it's about developing. They are finally getting time to show – and develop their skill set. And so, do they want to be on a team that's competing? Everybody, every player in the NBA wants to be on a team that's, there's not a single player that's going to tell you, hey, I want to be on a team that's going to be bad for about two to three years. So, to answer your question, I would say no player in the NBA. And if any player does say, hey, I want to be on a rebuilding team, then you got to start being more concerned about what that player's uh, mindset is, right? So, I think that there's that part of it. But I think that we the front office has already showed us what they are and what they want this team to be. This is always going to be a team that at least is trying to compete for a plane. This is I don't think we're ever going to see a team that's that's trying to bottom out or a front office is trying to put a roster together that's going to bottom out. And I know a lot of fans are hoping for that. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed because that's not the route that we're necessarily going. But all right, let's get into the last voicemail from today. This is another one from Big O. What's going on, Hayes? Big O, brother. Big O again. And look, I know you probably going to fry me, man. Please, man. I ain't going to be mad if you do. I'm sitting there up here drinking me some Tito's, man. And I got to get this off my chest. Because I didn't really finish my thought on my last. 
Hey, man, whichever way you play, you play both or play one, I understand, bro. <laughs> but uh, in comparison, I was telling you on my, you know, when I called when I called in on the first one that I feel like this team is playing a lot similar to the OKC. The last year, Billy was in OKC and a lot of resemblance of it. I wanted to point out that, like, DeMar is kind of playing like the Chris Paul role. Granted, Chris Paul, you know, totally different player. I get it. Not, you know, but just saying that, you know, he's the vet. Like, Chris Paul was the vet. Kobe is kind of playing the SGA role. Like, we didn't expect SGA to be an MVP candidate at that time. We knew that he was a growing player. So, you know, you get to see Kobe kind of playing that SGA role, and I pray maybe one day, you know, who knows? Maybe as, uh, Kobe can be the next SGA in the next couple of years. Who knows, right? And you look at Steven Adams, you look at Moose, two veteran center. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, ironically, granted, they had two different, you know, times, but that team overachieved. You know, didn't nobody expect that team to do well getting Chris Paul, knowing he just traded uh, Russ and PG up out of there, right? And then they overachieve, make the playoffs, give a really good fight in the first round, and have a first round exit. I can't say that this team would do the same, but just off the strength of the way they play the last four games, show a lot of resemblance in that, right? And then you look at uh, you look at uh, how that team broke up, right? You look at OKC said, hey, we're probably going to go on a rebuild. So you can stick around if you want. Billy didn't want to stick around. Guess what the type of situation the Bulls in, right? They probably finna trade Zach Levine. They probably finna trade the Rose. Uh, that OKC, tra- OKC team traded Stephen Adams. They, they traded Chris Paul, right? Ain't it? I'm just measuring it up. Now, look, SGA turned into MVP candidate after Billy left. Can we get a little bit of luck where maybe Billy just say, hey, I'm not with this, or I want you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. But if Kobe can, you know, if it's going to happen the same way and Kobe ended up turning to something that we never thought it would, would be, and it takes him Billy Donovan to leave, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of resemblance from that team, but I'm noticing from this team of late. We got to see the rest of the season. All right, I get your comparisons to OKC. Yes, DeMar is playing a more San Antonio version of DeMar. You compared it to Chris Paul. But when you get into Kobe and SGA, here's what I'll say on that. SGA is a legit MVP level caliber player. We're, we're, we're just talking about Kobe White getting to most improved, maybe all-star level play with how he's played over the last four games, and he has to maintain that. But here's what I'll say. Um, it, it, the, the way that these players are growing and developing, specifically Kobe White, I think that this we're finally seeing Kobe thrust into a position where he's able to go through his mistakes. He's not going to have to worry about being pulled, which was early in his career. He's grown now into that starting point guard role, which a lot of people had questions about him earlier in the season. And that I'm not going to compare him to SGA. I've always compared, say it more kind of, kind of the 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 Jamal Murray type role. I think is a better comparison for him. Now, if Kobe continues the way that he's shooting, scoring, and things like that, maybe you can talk about above that. But right now, I'm more comparing him to Jamal Murray. But I do understand a lot of where you're coming from with those comparisons. The Bulls just had, like the OKC Thunder team is also winning. So let's see if the Bulls can get into that, man. And overall, I just want to see these players develop into who they can be. I, I get comps make it easier to kind of make comparisons and points. But at the end of the day, I don't want Kobe to be SGA. I want Kobe to be the best version of whatever Kobe White's going to be, where he's comfortable not trying to be anybody else. And then we can see how that grows and develops. But that's my time for today, guys. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. 
BullCentralPodAgema.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, like you heard on today's show, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.